Okay, so we're back um, from no break at all. Uh, <laughs> You've heard from our sponsors, Ford um, and Costco. We'll take a Costco <laughs> card and we'll take a Ford um, whenever you have one available. Pops and coconuts in there. So, um, Shauna, we've discussed a lot of your career. You're just so informed and educated on sucking chest wounds. <laughs> okay, and other... So, you're so informed and educated um, as far as being an EMT and things of that nature. So we'd really like to ask you some questions about surviving on a day-to-day basis <laughs> when we are out in the middle of nowhere. So are you talking about wilderness first aid? Yes. Yes. For, for those of us in cities at this present moment, um, first aid out in the wilderness is different from uh, your first aid in a city because normally you just call 911 uh, when you're in a city. And please do that. That's the right answer. Is that correct? That's right. Frequently when you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have cell service, that's not an option. So maybe we can talk about what are the first steps if there is an emergency with without any cell service or Wi-Fi or any access? Well, so first of all, a lot of people don't understand that there really is places that don't have cell phone service. I mean, you go in the mountains, you are on your own. So you have to be prepared. Being okay. prepared is one of the biggest things. So specifically, having a good first aid kit. And what and, should be in there? Yeah. I've got Band-Aids and I've got... Neosporin. Okay. Good? <laughs> Maybe some dressings in case you have like some... Like salad dressing? Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking ranch? And a challenge? No. <laughs> How about a French? Like a bald bin up in here? Coffee seeds? A little raspberry bin? Okay, alright, I got you. <laughs> no. Okay. So some what are we talking gauze about? Gauze dressings. Okay. To soak up blood. Mmm. When you Very need to. Okay, okay, so you recommend being prepared with a first aid kit. So what, break it down, what do you want in that first aid kit? Some, if you want this, I don't know. Well, I don't know, because this is going to be your basic first aid. And this, medic first aid is a great um, class, but this is going to be the basic. And You know, I would have some splints in there. Um, you can get some SAM splints, for example, and that's just a ladder splint, S-A-M, SAM splint. And I would have a couple in my first aid kit. I would have lots of gauzes and uh, roller bandages. Feel uh, free to, to Google anything you don't Put know. on um, the SAM splints. Yeah, actually either purchase a, a good first aid kit, a wilderness first aid kit that will have everything. But then on the top of that, you need to know how to use everything. And are do you have any like brands or any place where you would recommend that? You know, you I, I don't okay. because it's all... We'll have, we'll have, we'll do some Googling after and we'll have some links in the bio um, and they'll, they will be Shauna approved. Okay. So let's say you've got your guys, you've got your, you've got a sand splint, you triangle bandages. So I'd say, so the thing, the important things would be, so you have something to stop bleeding, have something to secure broken uh, in terms of medications, what would you recommend? In ter- I mean, I know in general... Just pain we- relievers and antiseptic ointments. Wipes and ointment. And ointments, yeah. You have to have um, a prescription for that. Oh, EpiPen? Really? They're EpiPen. also very yeah. expensive. When I'm in New Zealand, every guide has an EpiPen. In my, in the United States, you have to have a prescription for so an epinephrine. You can even be a guide and have someone on the river that has 
an so, allergy to so you have to make sure that they bring their own EpiPen. Okay. And they also expire, okay. is my understanding. Like they, they have a very quick expiration. A year. EpiPens, if you get actual EpiPens, they are very expensive. They're over $100. Um, you do have to have a prescription for them, and they have to be used by the person, supposedly, used by the person that has the prescription. Uh, the problem with EpiPens, and they, they work great, but the problem is it buys you about a half hour. If you are truly, you, you truly have an allergy to like a bee sting, it's going to buy you a half hour. So really, people should carry a couple EpiPens. If they're okay. going to be out in the wilderness, they're going to be away from civilization for more than an hour. You know, it's going to take them that long. Also, I've had to give three to ooh. a patient one time. Please, um, if you are doing a wilderness activity with a guide or a lodge, please let them know about any conditions that you have and what medications you have. Because if you fall unconscious, or you are in a situation where you can't access those medications. It's important that someone else knows where they can access them. So, for example, I have asthma. And I always let the people know around me where I keep my rescue inhalers because if I become incapacitated, it's very important that someone else can access those. So uh, kind of going on with that too, though, not just accessing them, but knowing how to use them. Mm -hmm. You know, you hand some people an EpiPen, they won't have a clue what mm -hmm. to do. So if you are allergic to bees, say, and you carry EpiPens, train whoever you're with to how to use it because the they're not foolproof. If you do it wrong, it isn't going to do anything. Um, the other thing with them is they have to be kept cold. So in a in, in a, a cooler, in a cooler. Okay. you can't let them. They can't hot be hot and cold. And some people put them in their vehicle and they leave them and they're hot and cold, hot and cold. And if they get cloudy, they are no good. They won't do anything. So you can see inside of them. Yeah, you can okay. see inside the epipen. Uh, same with insulin. Just. Just make sure you're talking to that whoever you go with. That is not an emergency medication. You Sorry. cannot, that's fine, that people need to know that. You cannot administer insulin to people. You can, by law, assist people in taking emergency medicine, and EpiPens are one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, bear aspirin for somebody that has um, heart issues. Right. Pop that in your first aid kit. Yes. Uh, chewable yes. aspirin. A chewable or the other one, the non -chewable. Um, I always kept Either Jolly one. Ranchers. Yeah, in yeah, my first aid kit. Right, and that's not. That's just in case. Uh, I don't know right. anything about administering diabetes care. Right. Most people that are diabetics are going to need sugar, and you can't give insulin. Mm -hmm. But most of them that have a diabetic reaction are going to need sugar. Mm -hmm. um, Jolly Ranchers are great. Anything that's not, um, well, not fake sugar. You don't want to give them, like, Diet Coke. But um, Gatorade? Gatorade's fine. It's got a lot of sugar in it. Gatorade's fine. Um, orange juice with sugar in it is, mm -hmm. is good. Not chocolate. Oh. Because chocolate takes a long time to for the digestive system. Okay. So it takes a long time to get into the bloodstream. What about, like, packets of honey? Did that's what that, that is that is what I suggest when I teach a first aid class that is what I packets of honey um, packets of um, frosting you can get those smaller packets of frosting go to your local KFC get some biscuits <laughs> well that's With the packets of honey, honey is what I and used then, to and then, I like used to keep your those. Splenda or something will that not what, they will not okay. work so no, so fake no sugar Splenda, fake sugar none of that stuff mm -mm. okay 
So let's narrow it down for medications in a first aid kit. So bare aspirin. Mm-hmm. Um, or or regular pain okay. reliever. Sure. Yeah, sure okay. be fine. Maybe some packets of some sort of sugary thing, but mm-hmm. not chocolate. Mm-hmm. And not um, fake sugar. Not yeah, fake not sugar. fake sugar. Mm-hmm. And then what about like an allergy? Benadryl is good to carry, but you have to be careful. Remember that there is a certain liability when you are giving medication to someone that you don't know. So if it is somebody that's with you and you know them and you're great friends, you know, maybe that would be all right. But if you come across somebody and you give them a Benadryl and they have a reaction to the Benadryl, you could become liable. And Mm -hmm. people do sue for things like that. So you got to be kind of careful with that. So I have a couple different questions and comments. So I always keep acetaminophen, so Tylenol, Mm -hmm. as well as ibuprofen because I know some people have allergies to certain ones or others. But I know there's, um, in terms of being liable, if you're performing first aid care, it depends on your state, so so make sure to look up each state Mm -hmm. um, because certain states are, um, you're not going to be, penalized for performing first aid So they have measures. what is, is right? called a Good Samaritan Law. Right, okay. And most states have a Good Samaritan Law that if you do what you are trained to do and you stay within your scope of practice, mm-hmm. then you will not be liable. Right. But if you go outside of that, so say you have a basic first aid card, you can't do a tracheotomy. That would be okay. above your... Could um, she administer Benadryl? As long as you know the patient, I, I mean, I'd be really careful with giving okay. medication. Okay. Can you, okay. If it's their medication, you may assist them. Can you explain what you have and have the person administer it themselves? You can, but if it's yours, you could be liable. Okay. So you just have to be really careful with that. Let's say we're in the middle of nowhere, there's no service. We're out on a hike, and I have a basic first aid kit, and my friend doesn't have an EpiPen, but they're allergic to bees, and they get stung. What do I do? Ice on the... What if I don't have ice? I don't know. Well, you should have a cold pack in your first aid kit. You're okay. Uh, So you should should be like an instant cold pack. Oh, yeah. There should be an instant cold pack. That's what I was saying. No, that instant cold yeah. pack. And, and several of those. I mean, I would carry five or six of those. Mm-hmm. Those work really well for certain, lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you have a person that is allergic to bees, first of all, if you have a person that's allergic to bees and they don't have an EpiPen, that could be a dire emergency. You need to get them out of there as fast as you can. Would I leave the person and run somewhere? Uh, if if that's going to be faster, yes. Okay. See, the thing is, is you can give me these scenarios. Of course. But it it's going to vary. Mm-hmm. Is it raining? Is it cold? Oh, is it? Well, I mean, if it's if you're going to leave them up there and they're going to get hypothermia, that's going to cause a problem. Let's say it's so, about 65 degrees. <laughs> you have to be specific here. It's mild. So, so if it's mild weather... And, and they don't feel that they can go, yeah, leave them okay. and get out there. Are you 14 miles back in or are you a mile back in? If you're a mile back in, I'm thinking you can get out and get some help pretty quickly. Um, maybe we can talk about, maybe we can circle back to preventative measures. So maybe what would you suggest? So let's say Cassandra and I are going on a hike. What, what preventative measures 
would you take to make sure that we come back okay? Um, lots of water. Dress appropriately. Okay. Bring a rain so, jacket. Bring a rain jacket. <laughs> exactly. Uh, be prepared. You uh-huh. know, be prepared. But you have to make sure that you have plenty of water because mm-hmm. even if it's hot out, you can still get hypothermia at times. You go higher elevations and... Mm-hmm. And and staying hydrated helps you staying helps your body regulate temperatures yes, it does. better. Is that because if you don't stay hydrated, you we sweat, mm-hmm. and we have an internal thermometer that is on normally, mm-hmm. and if you run out of hydration in your body, that thermostat could shut down, that thermometer could shut off, and then you'll quit sweating, and then you'll heat up faster and get heat stroke, and that could be life threatening. When when that happens, is it important to cool them down really really quickly very fast i have put people in a crick because of okay of heat stroke okay and i know you know people are going to argue this because this is an argued situation argued topic but and i know you're going to throw them into shock but what is the worst of the two evils mm-hmm. and heat stroke is causing brain damage so you've got to get them cooled off mm-hmm. rapidly I mean, and I, I feel like I can't stress this enough, wilderness first aid is not the best case scenario. You're not going to have state-of-the-art equipment. You're not going to have ideal situations. It's just doing whatever your brain can think of and what your first aid kit tells you to do um, in order to keep that person alive. Uh, it's not creating the best case scenario. And sometimes, you know, um, there have been situations that I have known uh, about particularly my mother was in a situation um, and they had to climb to the top of the highest mountain and use a cell phone and that might be what you have to do in like your bee sting situation Mm -hmm. climb to the top of the mountain and get help these life flight helicopters now they can fly right into the wilderness Mm -hmm. and and land anywhere well um, I know that Idaho Falls has a really good helicopter that is for mountains and and landing in the mountains instead of on a helicopter pad you know Mm -hmm. at the hospital and they literally landed the helicopter in the middle of the mountains and got her out when Mm -hmm. she got hurt so and that's your mother yes okay yeah she was snowmobiling and my grandmother had uh, yes your grandmother and had a broke um five ribs and her sternum so I would say I would say several of these several of these you know major hospitals that have wilderness surrounding them I would say have invested in one of these helicopters that can do a job like that that can right. you know reach these Butte actually does now sure right uh, didn't for many years but Butte has a helicopter now and Missoula has forever in order to save someone's life you might have to do something that you're uncomfortable with and maybe that's try to get into a home that might have internet or knock on a door that might have um, cell service or uh, a, a landline. And if it comes down to life and death, you have to deal with the consequences of uh, breaking and entering later in order to save people's lives and that in the wilderness. And that's just something that, uh, that's a compromise that um, people in the wilderness have to make. Well, and and it may not even be breaking into houses, yeah, to use the internet, but also taking a vehicle. Or, you know, something you taught, you teach when you're teaching your first aid classes in terms of, like, basic steps of assessing a scenario is, 
you know, you check your scene and whatever, and then you talk to the person, whatever, find out what's wrong, you can delegate a job to someone else. Yes, so if there's can. like a passerby on the, mm -hmm. there's another hiker on the trail or something, you can... Utilize what you have. Utilize the people that you have. Sure. So yeah, if you have somebody come along that is hiking or, or um, somebody that comes by on a bike or whatever, maybe you have two or three people with you, mm -hmm. delegate you know, sure. the job. We had a situation, it wasn't us that had the accident, thank goodness, but um, there was a horse that went over backwards going up. Grandpa uh, Cliff was taking a horseback trip and a guy had a horse go over backwards on him and he had some, he had uh, lacerated liver and a, he had lots of problems because the horse... Just stitched that up. Yeah, and and so they had to utilize who, who the surroundings and they got him out on a horse and transferred him to a, a four-wheeler but yeah you've got to you've got to make do you have to be able to have some common sense mm -hmm. it sounds like this and is kind of the overwhelming theme is to have some form of common sense yeah so take your if you took basic first aid great but take that knowledge and then take away all those things that you use and you got to use what you've got mm-hmm because it's not always going to be available. Especially because you're going to be scared. You're going, your heart is going to be elevated. You're going to be in, kind of in a panic situation. You need to have, you, you need to have your wits about you mm -hmm. in order to deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. um, Shana, can I ask you? As the most common situation I've run into when I'm um, kind of in a wilderness environment is people who are acting a little off but don't actually think there's anything wrong with them. So so you yourself are feeling that way? No, 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 just other people. Other I've people. noticed their behavior change, and I'm unable to determine what's wrong with I them. I really think a lot of that is dehydration. Okay. I have run into that also, and I think that people hike, and they go, and they go, and they go, and they don't drink enough fluids. And people don't realize how much water it actually takes. And I'm not talking beer or any other alcohol. We had, a, we had an incident at the lodge where a woman <laughs> suffered from dehydration because she was drinking exclusively iced tea. Are and you talking she, about me? No, I'm not talking about you. Um, well, and didn't realize. That changes the way you react and the way you act. And, and dehydration is a huge thing and people don't, people don't understand it. I don't drink enough water. How much water do you think a person has to drink a day? I mean, I, myself, I try to drink two of these. Okay, so how many ounces is that? I think it's 32, 64? 32. 32. So the CDC recommends that you drink, you take your body weight and you divide it by two, and that's how many ounces of water you need on a daily basis. So for a 200 pound person, 100 ounces of water. Not that you weigh 200 pounds. I'm just I saying. I certainly weigh over that. No. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> I'm, that's just an example because it's easy for my math brain. Right. You know, but 100 ounces, and that's on a daily basis. If you're going to be out sweating, hiking, doing any activities outdoors where you're going to use up that, you need to increase from there. Mm -hmm. So that is a, that's a base. Okay. And so what are some symptoms of dehydration um, what can people look for? Confusion is a is a big one. That's why I, you know, and, and they stop sweating. So when you are when you get thirsty, you are past dehydration. You are you are into dehydration then. I'm dehydrated then, I guess. 
<laughs> because that's a that's a late sign. So one more scenario. Can you walk us through a simple like some steps to take if someone has broken their arm and you're on a hike? What do you do? What do you do? So the person is is sitting, laying, crying, I would assume hurting. They're in pain. You have determined that they have Well, first of all, you want to ask permission to help. Okay. You don't want to just go start touching people because that's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. So you ask, can I help you? And you explain to them who you are and that you're here to help. If they have a broken arm and they can still walk, if you use your SAM splint in your first aid kit, you can splint that arm. Um, a lot of people with an arm, unless the bone is sticking out, it's not a huge issue they can hold their own arm but what is splinting what is um, splinting what, what is your goal when you so so that's a very good question when you splint you want to stop movement of the bone ends so you want to um, stop movement in the joint above and below the break so if you have a break in your uh, radius so the lower arm you want to uh, stop movement in the elbow and the wrist Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So you you put that, both of those have to be in the splint to where they can't move. So the splint is something that just prevents movement. Prevents movement. And it can be anything. You can take your first aid book if you want to and use it as a splint. You can use those SAM splints. Can I use a stick? Um, you can use a stick. You can use, yeah. I mean, anything that is going to prevent movement of that How bone. do I hold the stick? with your um, gauze, that the roller gauze that I told you to put in your first okay. aid kit. So what I'm you roll to, it around and you... And so I'm trying to secure the thing. So mm -hmm. I've got the break. So I've got a stick. Just one? Do I put one you stick? Could, you could use one my... or you could use two. One on top, one on the bottom. Of what? My arm? Of your so arm. On either side of the arm? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. And then just use your gauze and wrap it around. Make sure that you don't get it too tight to where you cut off circulation. You want to be able to stick a finger under the gauze so that there's plenty of uh, room for circulation. If the fingers start turning blue or get numb, then you got it too tight. Can you do a test where you press on you some can. Of the fingers? You can. You can press on their finger and if it if it, it'll go white and if it goes back to pink within two seconds, that's good. Okay. If it takes longer, then you've got it too tight. Okay. But they'll be able to tell you too because right. if it's tingling in that, then they will, you'll have it too tight. Okay. And if that individual is in shock, what what do you do in that situation? Um, depends on why they're in shock. There's seven types of shock. So oh, no, that's too many. It depends on it depends on <laughs> what. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it depends on what type of shock. I mean, if it's a heart issue, then you're going to have to deal with that. If it's a bleeding issue, you got to stop the bleeding. You'll, but it's um, a break issue. If it's a break issue and they just saw the break and they don't like that, yeah. then cover it up and mm -hmm. protect them from that. Okay. The big thing is getting them to help. But overall, right. what is shock? Shock is um, when you don't have enough blood to go through all every vital organ in your body, is okay. basically. So it's either you lose blood, or your heart isn't pumping the blood, or your vessels have um, um, expanded to where you can't don't have enough blood to circulate. Mm -hmm. So what I've so. heard is that it's like the bad type of adrenaline. It's like 
when you have adrenaline, you have like almost like yeah, a superpower. Rush. Yeah, but when you're in shock, it's like you and you can't, can't think straight. Think straight, and it's just like the best training for shock is that when I was in it one time, and then I understood okay. shock. Sure. Would you mind going into that? I had a car wreck, and I flipped a car, and I got out of the car and didn't know where the highway was. And I went, oh, that's probably not good. So I sat down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stayed right there. I ended up being right by the highway, but I didn't know where it was. So the main thing was So people do weird to... things. Okay. You know, so they... Just sit down. Try to find your yes. breathing if yeah. you're in that situation? Yeah. I had, I had uh, one patient on the ambulance lay in the middle of the highway. People don't normally do things like that. And she was in shock. Mm-hmm. Can we go over two scenarios um, that I've gone over in my first aid training? Mm -hmm. So you're walking down the trail. There's someone lying unconscious. What are what are your steps? Well, you want to secure the scene. There's a reason why they're laying there. Okay. So you want to make sure that whatever hurt them isn't going to hurt you. And then once you have secured the scene, you walk up to them and make sure that they're unconscious. Make sure that they're not. just sleeping or whatever. Okay. So you and so, holler at them and try to shake them a little bit. Quickly back to securing the scene. Um, so some some things that we covered is, you know, it might be a wild animal. It might be an electrical wire. It might be things like that. If you're outside, it probably won't be a gas. Probably not. And especially if you're walking on a trail, it's not going to be. Wild animal is what is going to be. Or, or dangerous to you or something wrong with them, yeah. Right. So just to be clear again for those folks listening, um, if you're coming across an unconscious person that's in an outdoor situation, it's going to be different than in a car or in a home. Um, so just make sure to <laughs> take note of that. Okay, so yeah, the you next just thing. you just want to make sure that you're not putting yourself into a you're bad situation. Aware. Right. You don't want to become the, the victim yourself. Sure. Okay, and then um, try to get them to uh, respond to you. If they do not respond, check a pulse. Okay. You're going to check a pulse in the wrist or in the carotid artery in the neck. Okay, and you're using your two fingers Mm -hmm. and not your thumb? No, you don't because there's a pulse in your thumb. So you move your your first two fingers over into the groove, and most people know how to check a pulse in the groove of your neck. And if you feel a pulse, then you check their breathing. Mm-hmm. Then you would roll them over into uh, the recovery position. Okay. And, and you is... would check them out. So it's going to be on their side with their arm under their head, protecting their head and their neck. And you want it to where if they vomit, it's going to go out of their body, not down their throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not trying to diagnose them. You're just trying to get them in a situation where they will live, right? Exactly. Okay, and then so you you roll them over into the recovery position, um, and they're still unconscious. Are you then getting help, or what are you doing? If you if you are alone, you'll have to leave them and go get help. If you're not alone, have somebody else go get help. And then I would also check, just look down the body. You can kind of feel them a little bit and see if there's any blood. Um, that's what you're looking for is blood or um, broken bones. Maybe they have a stick stabbed in their in the back of their um, in their chest or in their back, whatever. You know, you're just looking for things that don't belong. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, my opinion on a tourniquet is I have never used one. I've never had to use one. I've had um, a cut off arm. I have had a leg cut off. I've never had to use one because I've always been able to get the bleeding stopped. But if you are in a situation where a gunshot wound is going to be to the thigh area or uh, femoral artery, I had one guy that had a car wreck and his ankle was by his ear. Pretty bad break in multiple places. Most of the time the protocol is don't move it, splint it in place. I couldn't find a pulse in his foot. I moved his foot and straightened it out and splinted it straight like it should be. They were able to save his foot because I got the pulse back. So like um, basically if you do not know what you are doing, don't do it. If you don't know, like if, I mean, why would you, why would you risk that, you know? Like if it was life and death, use a tourniquet. If you if if, yeah, if they like have an arterial general. bleed, if their whole arm and is you off. can't get the bleeding stopped, yeah, you have to use a tourniquet. I mean, you don't have a choice. Uh, arterial bleed is going to squirt out. It's going to be bright red blood, and they are going to die quickly. If it's a femoral artery, but I mean that has... five minutes is it. That that's, that's a limb only situation. You can't tourniquet a torso. You can't tourniquet a neck. Well, it depends you know on I mean? if you're it's your ex husband or not. And then you can't. No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Don't look at me like that, daughter. Okay. Do what you will. Okay. With your so we we you come across someone who's on the trail who's unconscious, and we talked about that situation. You are rolling. You are checking the the scene. The scene. You are you're you are checking down. for a pulse. Mm-hmm. You are checking and seeing if they're breathing. Mm-hmm. And then you're rolling them into the safety, the recovery recovery position, which is in case they vomit, they're not going to choke on their own vomit. Uh, And then you are getting help or a friend is getting help. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you are walking down the trail, you you run across a person who is conscious, who is breathing and aware, but needs your help. So then you ask them the sample questions. The sample questions is signs and symptoms. What happened? How did it happen? What happened prior to that? So I fell. Okay, what made you fall? Well, I was stung by a bee. Oh, (laughs) you know, then you're an investigator. Okay, Mm -hmm. so signs and symptoms. Allergies is A, so S-A. Medications, are you on medications? Have you taken your medications? Are you on heart medication and you didn't take your medication? That could be a problem. So, so you're getting all this information from these people. Um, P is past medical history. Are they okay. a diabetic? Are do have they had heart issues? Have they did they have open heart surgery three days ago? Or has this happened you know before? has this happened before? Exactly. L is last oral intake. The reason that's important is because if they're a diabetic and they tell you they're a diabetic and they haven't eaten, then you can put those two to th- get things together. Then you get your little Debbie's out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then E is um, events leading up to. So that's really important to find out what happened prior to them falling or whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Because they could have gotten stung by a bee. They could have gotten bit by a rattlesnake. They, you know, you got you to gotta do some. And people don't usually just come right out and say. Mm-hmm. So you okay. got to do some investigating. Once you have done all that and you have written it down, you ask them then you're going to find out you're going to check them out see if they've got broken leg broken so then you're looking for dots okay deformities open injuries 
tenderness or swelling. The dots is things you're looking for on their okay, body. So a visual, a visual. An observation. Right. So um, deformities, is their arm bent where it shouldn't be bent? Um, is there open wounds and a bone sticking out? Is there is there tenderness? Is there bruising? You're looking for all of those things. Um, if you don't find any of those, then you ask them, do you think you can walk? And then, you know, talk to them and ask them if they think they can walk out. I mean, how far are you in there? Mm-hmm. Are you a mile and you can run back to the truck and get some help? Do you have cell phone service? You know, there's there's so many variables and so many options that right. people have to have some common sense. Right which is kind of scary nowadays because there isn't any of that. So that's when you're dealing with other people. What if you're dealing with yourself? What if there's something wrong with you? What do you do? Like what? You're, I don't know. Like, let's get into heat stroke. Like, what if you're super hot? Or, or do you just alone. become disoriented? You don't know if it's heat stroke. You don't know if it's dehydration. You don't know. So one of the problems with that is people don't usually pick up on the fact that they are disoriented. So that is actually a huge problem. And more than anything, you got to do like preventative things. Exactly. So you have a person with you. Exactly. Never hike alone. Never be out there alone. Always be with somebody. It's a great buddy system. Also, if you're feeling unwell in any way, vocalize that. Don't expect other people to guess how you're feeling. Um, that goes for life advice, too. Uh, just don't really expect other people to know your feelings. Just vocalize. It's fine. Um, something that I was always taught, and maybe you can speak to this, is um, you know try to let people know where you're going to be and when you're going to be back so they can check on you. Mm-hmm. It's um, a huge thing. That is a huge thing. Huge. That really is a big and thing. And so many people don't do so, it. So, um, yeah, don't ever go out and... or anywhere for that matter and not tell somebody where you're going and what time to expect me back and if you don't know call in and check in with those that care about you and then one final thing that I always like to do with my first aid kit I always like to keep an inventory list of the first aid kit in case someone needs to use that first aid kit who's not familiar with that first aid kit um and just mark each pocket right exactly because you you prepare for the situation that you might need to use that first aid kit on someone else but someone else might need to use your first aid kit on you so it's important that people who have no familiarity with your supplies understand what you have on hand yep that's good good advice what are your thoughts on aeds i think everybody should have one okay Especially if you are um, running around or, or traveling or hiking or boating or whatever you guys do out there. You, if you're doing it with somebody that has heart issues or anyone that is within the elderly range, over 50. I mean, you're not even elderly. You need to have an AED. They are much, much, much cheaper than they were 15 years ago. And when much we, smaller. And they are the size of an iPad now. They are tiny. And you can get cases to have them so they don't get wet if you take them on a boat. AEDs will save lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Super easy to run. You turn it on, it tells you how to do it. And it's literally, it's emitting like a shock. It's shocking your heart back into rhythm is right. what it's doing. And it's and I literally... I definitely agree. think yeah. everybody should have one. Okay, all right, I have another question. Um, people who are untrained in CPR, should they perform CPR? 
if they are not trained. Uh, they need to know how to do it before they do it. So but CPR be... training is not that difficult. You can get you can get CPR training in a couple hours. It's not, and I truly believe everyone should have that training as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have CPR training um, slash AED CPR slash AED. How can one find class? Um, there's a thing Especially... called the internet. <laughs> is there <laughs> is there availability online? Because I don't really want to be around other people at this particular moment in history. Coronavirus. Um, you can you can uh, take some classes online. You really need to do some practice though when you do CPR classes. You need to have um, a little bit of hands-on training because there's a, a certain technique for doing compressions. Um, and there's also, you know, people don't like coronavirus and, and different things. People don't want to do breathing now. They do need air, but you can do hands-only CPR for mm -hmm. a significant amount of time, and, and it can do some good. Um, also, thoughts on your CPR mask, you know? The, the uh, microshields? Yeah. Um, every, you, you don't want to do CPR without a microshield. Can you use a shirt? Can you use a... You can sock? use a plastic bag. You can use it has a... to be something that's porous. It, you, If they vomit, is it gonna soak up in the sock? Yes. Yeah, it will. I would be concerned about using a plastic bag because I'm afraid of like breathing it. In well, you have sock. to put a hole in it. <laughs> yes, that's what I do. I mean, come on, a little <laughs> common sense here. So you can use a plastic bag, you can use... Sorry, um, can, can we explain what we're talking about for uh, users that are unfamiliar? So the MicroShield is, it's made of plastic and it has a little one-way valve in it and you stick that, it's got a little, it's about a half inch long and you stick that between their teeth and you blow in the MicroShield and it stops everything in their mouth from coming out. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a two-way protection it protects you from them and them from you. And and I don't, I will not do CPR anymore without it. Um and let me they're they're cheap. You 8 bucks. You can buy them. They're one-time use. Sometimes if you take your local CPR class, they'll hand them out. Well, yeah, so sometimes they do. Sometimes yes. They do. And, and I, I actually issue keychain ones. Yeah, yeah. sometimes so they're keychains. Are, yeah. Oh, okay. really can nice. I have one? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I have one final um, first aid question, and this one actually has come up a lot for me. Um, thunder, lightning, boating, fishing. Get off the water. But how close? If you, if, if you hear the thunder, I, you don't want to take chances in the water. Okay, so the moment you see lightning, pull yeah. over. So even if you're in a raft, get off the water, get under like a willow? You don't want to be under a lone tree. Right. You want to be under like willows. So nothing high, nothing okay. tall, because that attracts it. Right. So you want to be willows, brush, uh, bushes, and off, the water. off of the water, Let's park the boat, get out of the boat. Let's express the importance of lowering your rods. Yeah, put it away. Yeah, let's do that. That's a good idea. No matter how your, much you love fishing, if it if put it away, lightning on anywhere near you. Just put like that away. That. Put it away. So, okay. have you had people that didn't want to quit yeah. fishing because it's lightning? Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. Oh my goodness sakes! You're literally like, hello. And we dealt with that situation the other day on the Bitterroot, where you know there was thunder and lightning. We exited the. You know, I had everyone put their rods away, and then we... 
there was hail also. <laughs> oh, we, that's nasty. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Um, but yeah, but these guys are mobile. You know, it's the guys that aren't yeah. super mobile that want to stay in the boat. And I'm like, you need to you need to get out of the boat. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm really surprised that we haven't had um, more people have health issues rafting. I Honestly, know we're lucky. We're just getting away with it right now. I know it's dehydration is an issue. Dehydration I've seen is that a huge constantly. Issue. Can you talk about altitude sickness? In what way? I don't like. Can you tell me what some signs and symptoms are? What? What? I don't. I literally do not know. What is nausea, vomiting, headache? Is okay. there a certain altitude? What you getting altitude? It depends sickness? on depends on the person and what they're used to. I mean, we had hunters that came from sea level and then you, we're taking them to 8,000 feet mm-hmm. and a lot of those people had headaches they wouldn't hunt the first couple of days because they were having altitude sickness and so, it's nausea, vomiting, mm-hmm. headaches. Is it right out of the gate? Like as soon as they have reached no, another... No, it, it, it's, it's different for everybody. It, mm-hmm. it was It's kind of actually hard to pick up on. So oh. Dan... Uh, Previously, a, <laughs> my my partner and previously on the podcast, check him out. Um, gets altitude sickness every time he flies into Montana. Really? Uh huh. He and feels. So what is his symptoms? His symptoms are incredibly hungover. Regard like he even if he doesn't have a single drop so of nausea. alcohol. So nausea, headaches, uh, you know, dizziness, you know, lightheaded, um, and so he's he's. Within two days, I mean, he doesn't drink two days um, after coming. You know, like he hydrates exclusively, but he still feels that way pretty much every time he comes out. Uh, he thought he was just every time he'd go to Montana, he was like, "Why am I drinking too much every single night?" I like first arrive, and then after a while, he determined that it was it was his altitude adjustment. I personally have it, and I um. I will say this in a uh, politically correct way, and I will say it in an unpolitical, unpolitically correct way. I basically peed out of my butthole. Um, <laughs> and so I had. Is that the politically correct way? No, that's not the unpolitically. Well, that's just the. Um, yeah, um, I had some some diarrhea. diarrhea. <laughs> Some diarrhea issues on the trail, um, <laughs> to put it that way. But uh, that was when I was at 10,000 feet, and I, it was immediately an issue. And I knew it was immediately an issue uh, due to my body reacting in the way it did. Um, so when you're dealing with altitude, stop drinking. Don't drink anymore. There's no need for that. And, and we're not but drink water. water. No, do alcohol. drink water. Do drink Don't water. drink alcohol. Okay, but seriously. You have established that you have, that somebody you know, or you have altitude sickness, what do you do? Water. Water. Drink water, take ibuprofen or whatever your pain. What if you're, we just keep talking about hiking. What if you're hiking and you're gaining altitude and suddenly it hits you? What if you're riding bobby socks with my mom's horse? What if you're riding horse and you're gaining altitude and suddenly you're just... (laughs) Suddenly, (laughs) suddenly you're sick? You're exiting, food is exiting the building, you know? Nausea. Okay, sure. What if you, so you have nausea, and you're riding horse, you're gaining altitude. I'd turn around and go down. 
Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Get lower in elevation. Okay. Well, you like you do get you do get lightheaded, and that and that does help the lightheadedness. We had a hunter one time that had altitude sickness, except he didn't think he had altitude sickness. He thought he was allergic to his sleeping bag. What? Hey, look and listen. I'm allergic to most sleeping bags. <laughs> so. so we also had a guy that was here at the cabin. So we're at six thousand feet. You're not thinking altitude sickness, right? But some people And feel. he had heart symptoms. And so, symptoms. I mean, we literally ran, rushed him to the hospital. I, mm -hmm. We got the ambulance. I, we took him in. Mm -hmm. And he was allergic to his sleeping bag. So oh, Really? You some people are it. allergic to down. I am one of those people. Yeah. He me. was allergic to um, his sleeping bag, so we had to, he had to go buy a new sleeping bag. So what do you mean by heart symptoms? He was having chest pain and Toughness, uh, having difficulty breathing, he was sweating. I was like, whoa, whoa. Sure glad we're not in camp right now. Wow. Crazy. So, like, but luckily, if you're allergic to down, test your sleeping bag before you go out into the Yeah, know what you're allergic to. Probably just get an allergy test, perhaps. Also good. Just in, in your life, you'll be happier <laughs> to well, know what. Yeah, your and if you have are. a lot of allergies, down is a real popular one, so you oh, know, sure. be careful with that. You've got down, you've got synthetic. You might need to opt to the synthetic yeah. version. Well, um, they do have better. they do have down that's a little bit more hypoallergenic, and that's like the the casing that oh, is in, um, and that helps me, who is allergic to down and everything else on the planet. So, totally if you need nice. any allergy tips, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you just gotta get over it too, <laughs> like. Sorry, sorry, pals. It's suck it up. Yeah, it's gonna suck for a while. Have your rescue inhaler with you, um, and take your allergy pills. Don't ride horses. Or do you ride horses and just wash your freaking hands? I mean, yeah. And, or your body horses. in cold water. Wash them off. You'll be fine. I feel like we've talked a lot of first aid. That's good, right? Is there, I think so. Is there like something else that you like to tell everyone that we've missed? Closing statement that you're just like, everyone needs to know this or piece of advice where you're like, go take a first aid class right now. Well, that would be one. Yes. I think go take a first aid class. Uh, first aid CPR is a good thing. To there have. is also classes that are wilderness first aid. There is wilderness first aid. I've taken those. They're about 40 bucks. You can afford them, hopefully. Um, Especially if you're going to spend a lot of time out in the in the wilderness. Also, don't get don't get the first first aid kit that you find that has like three band aids in it. Don't go to the dollar store. Yeah. You want you want to be spending a little bit more on your first aid kit because it could literally save someone's life, uh, maybe yours. What what are a couple of things that we can do to make sure that we're being responsible going outside. As in first aid supplies? First aid supplies and or water actions. Be. Water and, and being prepared for whatever weather is going to be around you. Be aware of your surroundings. You're layering. Layering is good. And if you do come across anyone that is hurt or you're going to take care of anyone, remember that your safety is first. Okay. You have to keep you safe. If you don't keep you safe, how are you going to help anybody else? And people jump into very strange situations, and then all of a sudden we've got two patients. So you gotta, you got to think about that. Be smart. 
Bring a rain jacket. Bring a rain jacket. Rain jackets are good. You're never going to regret it. Just always. <laughs> All right, so we've covered a lot here in terms of flagging, EMTing. That's how you say it. You say EMTing and outfitting. So, um, yeah, it's been great talking with you, Shauna. Um, we loved hearing about all of your different careers, and uh, apparently you have like you have a couple more. more uh, you have a couple more tucked away, uh, as Cassandra alluded to. Uh, something about uh, Miss Miss Rodeo Miss Rodeo Whitehall, I think, right? Whitehall Rodeo Queen. Miss Whitehall Rodeo Queen. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, stay caught up with us on all of our adventures. And we'll see you next time. We'll listen to you. We'll he- you'll hear us. You'll hear us next time. I mean, if you want to, he- if you want us to hear you, uh, reach out to us on social media. We are on social. Media. We sure are. Aren't you on Instagram? We sure are, Shauna. That's so funny that you should mention that. At Flycast Live on Instagram and Twitch and. YouTube and Twitter, Facebook, everything. Just get a hold of us. Meanwhile, thank you so much for having. Nope. <laughs> Meanwhile, shut up. Meanwhile, tea and crumpets. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Love you. Mother, Love you, dearest. Bye bye. <laughs> Love you, dear listeners. Bye bye. <laughs>